A Sickness in Time by M.F. Thomas and Nicholas Berkettle. Narrated by Roseanne Sinclair. Chapter 12. And we told her to blow it up? Unless the past is lying to us. It was another of Min Jen's patented cute answers. Once again, they were enjoying one of their private teas in the massive cafeteria at the lab. It was one of the most confusing conversations Josh had ever had, or rather, that he could recall having had. They had entered into truly bizarre territory, where they had undeniably had a drastic impact on their present, but didn't know precisely why, because they couldn't remember all of what their present used to be. What are we trying to do? I don't think we will ever know. It was to prevent someone from becoming rich. Apparently, the other us didn't give them any more information. They were very cautious, those other us's. Josh's head hurt. He didn't understand how this could all seem so amusing to Min Jun. They were just trying to stop the spread of a worldwide plague and disempower a mad tycoon with an assassination virus at his fingertips. And it seemed like they were always going to be in the dark about their work, even when it came to their own previous strategies. Maybe before, Kaslik actually bought the virus from me instead of just stealing it. Do you think the younger Josh would have sold it? For a stupid pile of money? Probably. I didn't see much potential in it. Yeah, shit. I wonder if I was a richer man than I am now. You're still well off enough. Josh hadn't told Min Jun about the expense he had undertaken to spirit Sierra and Lamar away to Litla Dimun. Not because he didn't trust Min Jun's character, but because he could no longer trust the flow of information under any circumstances. However much money the other Josh had enjoyed... This Josh, between ruining his reputation and hiding his daughter, was quickly running out. He had moved into the lab and was living off the cafeteria food, which was okay because he didn't want anywhere else to go, or any downtime either. He had put himself in the dark about his own daughter's condition, and the less time he had to consider that, the better. Our methods are off. We need to do something different the next time we send a marker. Some of the knowledge of the future we're in now needs to pass through their past and come back to us somehow, like the market data. We still must deal with the crude medium that we have. I've been meaning to ask about that. I want to look at the records of every launch you've done. I want to see the first time you ever created conditions close to what we're doing now. The more data we have, the more we can refine the process, maybe. Josh shook his head in response to a raised eyebrow from Min Jun. I don't know. I just need to see it. And I want to review my firewalls for the lab as a whole. I don't know if I trust the men that set them up. Or that was me, wasn't it? But not the me that set them up when we started this. Damn it. Min Jun quietly reached across the table and laid his hand on Josh's arm. It was unexpected, and Josh jumped as if it had carried an electric shock. Min Jun waited to speak, fixing his eyes on Josh's 
in a request that Josh steady not just his body, but his whole person for a moment. Josh, you are my very good friend. I have this theory that no matter what we change, we remain very good friends. You might not see any basis for that, but I would call it a faith of mine. I think it has a purpose. I believe that if we ever created a time in which we were not friends, I would spend that lifetime lonely in ways I would feel but never understand. Minjin, you've got a husband already. Do not joke right now. Minjin's hand tightened on Josh's arm, and his tone was more vehement than Josh had ever heard it. Josh instantly felt guilty for having undercut the gesture. He nodded apologetically and tightened his lips. Minjin breathed deeply with commanding force. After a few seconds of this, he spoke again. I have never understood the relationship American culture has with suffering. You do not trust any lesson or growth that comes without pain. You see self-torture as the most effective way to accomplish a task. And in any moment of crisis, you revert to that attitude no matter what you may have learned to the contrary in life. It pains me to see you do this to yourself, Josh. Minjun, what else can I do? This isn't about philosophy. People are dying because of the code I wrote. And if you said to me that you were going to run through the streets, trying to find every man or woman who wants to install a beetle so you could persuade them against it, I would tell you that you were just one man, that you were tilting against impossible numbers, and you cannot change the minds you seek to change by even the most fevered and sincere arguments. And I believe you would listen to me. So I ask you to listen to me now. You are just one man. You are tilting against impossible numbers and you cannot change time to how it suits you, even with the greatest desire and the most finely honed manipulation. Do you hear me? Josh realized that he had never met anyone who could make pessimism sound like more of a relief. No, not pessimism. Acceptance. Minjin was still gripping his arm and Josh placed a hand on top of his friend's. He nodded to show that he did hear, that he did understand. Most of my biggest accomplishments happened because someone told me I couldn't do something, and I was willing to stay awake and ticked off until I proved them wrong. To me, it's been a successful habit. Forgive me for contradicting your self-image, Josh, but you told me that your first major success came to you in an inspiration while you were out walking and that the breakthrough which created the virus you are even now trying to combat happened in a moment of idle and excessively relaxed mental play. Your greatest strengths may not be what you think they are. Finally, Minjin withdrew his arm and his smile broadened. I have decided to buy you a gift. I will not let you refuse it. They came in obedience to all of Josh's paranoias, 
without any network devices or implants of any kind, all screened for the smallest sign of Ketron Gary hiding in their brains. One of the four had a small level, although a certain latent amount of it was becoming terrifyingly common. They weren't yet symptomatic, but if they were afraid, they didn't show it. Dressed in simple, soft fabrics, they escorted a wheeled cart full of sloshing barrels. Min Jun led the way. The lab had an on-site fitness center. It is a noble but futile effort to try and convince scientists to tend to their bodies, Min Jun joked, and indeed the place seemed neglected. There was a hot tub standing empty, and it was by this that the four men with the barrels stopped. Go take a shower, Min Jun instructed. Take your time. These gentlemen have work to do. One of them handed Josh a sealed package containing a robe. Josh took it and made for the showers, which seemed equally neglected. When he returned, they were filling the empty tub. Water? Josh exclaimed. All these barrels are full of water? Not just any water, Minjin replied. It's onsen water. Is this a Korean tradition? Japanese. Koreans take baths too, of course, but I must admit I enjoy the Japanese way more. This is mineral water from a Japanese volcanic spring. It may or may not have medical benefits, but what cannot be denied is that it feels wonderful. Your gift is a bath? Josh marveled at it. Factoring in the transport and the drastic increase in the value of water over the past few decades, the notion that Josh was about to bathe in gold was not far enough away to be a hyperbole. Yes, that's why you had to wash first. That is why the tub needed to be drained and scrubbed to remove much of the chlorine and mineral deposits as possible, because this experience should just be you and the water. Josh had been holding on to a small sliver of refusal from the very beginning. Maybe it came from false humility, or maybe his intrinsic ability to relate to Min Jun's view of things was manifesting as distrust. Either way, he had prepared a plan to weasel out of whatever the gift was going to turn out to be. There was really no refusing now, though. The only thing worse than indulging in this much water would be disposing of it without indulging in it. He prepared to step in, but Min Jin stopped him. No, no. It must reach the proper temperature first. It feels like it could cook me already. Yes, we are close. The first contact shocked his flesh, and it took all his conscious willpower to overrule the senses that were sure this would kill or at least torture him. But bit by bit, he acclimated and did not die and gradually sunk his body into the steaming water. It tingled lightly on his skin. Minjin and the attendants left, and he was under strict instructions to remain for at least 15 minutes. Waiting was something Josh knew how to do, but it had always been reward-based. The idea that the reward came not after the waiting, but inside it, was one of those wisdoms he paid more lip service to than actual attention. 
he thought of the chaos he was entrusting his body to. If Josh had been put to the task of designing the ideal bath, he would have wanted to devise a process for creating the purest water possible, ideally containing absolutely nothing but hydrogen and oxygen. No mineral of any kind would be allowed in until its effects could be recorded and proven. The spectrum of therapeutic efficacy of heat on the human populace would need to be established amongst a sufficiently large sample size. This was entirely opposite. A mixture produced by, what, the design of geology and nature? Tectonics and heat? It had bubbled up through the ground. Someone had stepped in it out of faith or just blissful unconcern. And before they had the means to know, decided that it was good and got others to try it. And it seemed like it was good. Sometimes, he thought, science had to play catch-up with some other sort of awareness. His hearing concentrated around the low burbling of the tub. His sight seemed to extend, as if the other end of the tub was receding. His body was limp. Problems surged into his head fitfully, like muscle spasms. Josh realized that he had not been the master of his own mind for a long time now, but rather had been letting it drag him like a big dog on a leash. You couldn't let the dog do all the steering on the walk, not until you trained it to come home. Home. Where was Josh's home? He had made the lab suit his work, and he slept here. But as a result, here he was undergoing emergency therapeutic boiling. He had begun to think of himself as a kind of walled nomad, taking his excessive security with him wherever he went, surrounded by luxury and fortune, but never caring about them so much as what their weaknesses were. Weakness. Josh had a temper. He had filtered out his self-awareness. Now echoes came from his memory of irritable snaps, impatient barks at employees who didn't move as quickly in their thoughts as he did. The water felt hotter as these memories surfaced, as if they were being leached out of his brain in a fever. And he understood that when he had abused others, he was only echoing the whip he had always put to his own back. But the others hadn't volunteered for it. Maria, their voluntary partner. What did it take to not only believe in their insane story, but to willingly agree to take part in it, even to commit crimes for a higher good she would probably never see? It was the faith of religions and fanatics and armies. No surprise she'd been in the military. Josh wondered if the majority of the people who found their way into the military had an inborn susceptibility to this type of programming. Suddenly, Josh saw it as a kind of moral programming bypass, a subroutine installed to make the bad in front of you acceptable for a promised good. It was powerful, and in Josh's parlance, infinitely exploitable to anyone who cared about benefiting from the bad. You would need to get by a lot of defenses to install a subroutine like that. In every way, it was like implanting a virus. Instead of calming strokes before they happened, 
Instead of trying to play whack-a-mole with the degeneracy that brought on Parkinson's and dementia, what if instead Josh had come up with a way to firewall the human soul against manipulative promises? To identify the neural pathways that made it possible to fool people in such savage ways and fortify them, give them the ability to check the intentions and credentials of anyone who sought access. Would fewer people get talked into going to war? But then they wouldn't have Maria working for them. Maybe it wasn't a weakness or a strength of humanity, but just a fact. Fundamental Josh had been breaking some fundamental laws since this project began, and it was becoming a habit to think of it as possible. The water. He barely felt his body anymore. His mind had responded by going into overdrive. This was a sobering discovery. Maybe all Josh had ever wanted was to leave his body behind and plug his mind into a computer so it could work and work. But if this were possible, would his mind hold on to its integrity or be absorbed into the great traffic, breaking up and replicating and being rewritten by everything around it? This was too like life. Virtual perfection was an illusion. Because it had been made by men, it would always be like men. Inside such a system, he would not be advancing, not evolving, but just trading environments while bringing the same flaws and troubles with him. And so the question, would Josh rather find himself changed by interfacing with great problems in the network or by seeing his daughter? How did this help them? How did this help them? You may talk about the experience when you're ready. This was as close to out with it man as Min Jen's vocabulary allowed. Josh was on a reclining couch in the robe, resting and drinking a great deal of cool water. Min Jin was in a robe as well, looking thoroughly satisfied. He had been unwilling to let the onsen water go without taking his own turn in it. The attendants who brought it were currently rotating in and out of the tub as a kind of end-of-job gratuity. Josh heard his voice emerge more slowly than normal. It wasn't that he was speaking with a different cadence, but that he had a strangely enlightened perspective on how his brain normally processed the words and behavior around him. That very awareness seemed to make the passing present fuller. I didn't have a breakthrough, if that's what you're asking. Minjun shrugged. Results are not guaranteed, never guaranteed. But learning something, we can guarantee that if we choose. We can't fight against the desires that drive people without changing people. People will always want an advantage. I created two, the beetle and the virus. I started all this. He looked at the comfortable robe and the soothing water with its little slice of cucumber. They seemed like perverse dressing for the dark thoughts now emerging. I admit I've considered this before. We can't stop this anywhere further down the road. It has to be me. Younger me. Josh, no. 
I'm not talking about killing me, I promise, nothing like that. But maybe we tell me, just tell me where this is leading. Convince me to care about more than just solving an interesting problem. Show me where that attitude leads. Minjin thought for a long time before he answered. The person you are now came from that person. Josh exhaled, seeing where this argument was going. I think you're right, Minjin said. We cannot change the nature of people. Whatever our solution is must work within that, but it must work within ourselves. You cannot help by trying to be anyone but who you are. This is who I am. I'm a meddler. I tinker with no respect for boundaries or consequences. If an obstacle is in my way, I get around it if I have to undermine everything other people take for granted. But is this your nature, or simply a stage you pass through in life, as we all do going from child to man? You are a father now. The love and respect I have seen you show to your daughter has no resemblance to the brilliant hooligan you describe. Perhaps your sense of what your true nature is needs further exploration. It may have evolved while you weren't looking. What, is that a Zen paradox? A true and unchanging nature that's constantly evolving? If it makes you think, then it is, isn't it? The relaxation he felt before was fading fast. Josh scanned through the newspaper archives. He wasn't on a particular mission, just absorbing the world that was, hoping to find the right tweak to make. He had been a teenager back then, and in the grips of that contradictory feeling of caring very little about the world at large while simultaneously being convinced he understood it all. Most teenagers think that grown-ups are idiots, and young Josh Schreibner had had even more cause than most to subscribe to that belief. Dates connected themselves to his own experiences as he read. The beginning of an overseas military engagement was two days after a disastrous attempt to invite a girl to the junior prom. She had said no, and Josh remembered spending weeks after insulting and belittling her to her friends then finding a way to switch on and monitor the webcam on her laptop. He had hoped for a salacious show. Instead, after watching her bored face for a half hour as she surfed the web, he had broken the connection and never gone back. Consumed by some black, spiky feeling he hadn't wanted to put into words. God, what a turd I was, he thought to himself, for back of a worthier word. His monitor locked up. Momentary processor overload. An almost unprecedented error. His security monitor showed a surge of activity. His net had managed to catch one of the fastest, heaviest brute force attacks he'd ever seen. He watched, just for a moment, only able to witness, before his tablet resumed activity. He quickly went to check the logs and run a full precautionary sweep. And suddenly, a file appeared. A tiny, plain text editor file 
only a few letters long. It was one of the smallest files possible to send. Something a thousand orders below, a metaphorical sheet of paper slid under the door. This had been the purpose of the assault, but it was peculiar. Letters couldn't harm them, could they? After sweeping the file twice, he opened it, not with the standard reader, but with his own raw code reader, with which he could filter out the invisible language and see the message he was meant to see. Whoever it was had been efficient. They hadn't even put spaces between the words. We are evolving, not dying. Who was this? Catholic? Certainly very few people would even know how to find Josh, and it had taken resources, persistence, and genius to get him like this. But this didn't seem like his style. Then Josh was forced to reflect that despite the image he had constructed of Catholic through research and rumination, they had neither met nor spoken ever. So who was to say what his style truly was? We are evolving, not dying. Did it mean the Beatles and Ketron Gary? Likely. It was at least a provocative proposition, and very efficiently delivered. Josh could imagine spending long hours exploring the ramifications of this idea, so he deleted the message. Then he severed the network connection on his tablet and permanently disabled it. An encryption. That's how we'll do it. Do what? Minjin was watching the control arm etch instructions into the next marker with elegant exactitude. We put the information about our future in a code and then asked them to copy the code and send it back to the new us. I decode it on this end. I understand what's going on. The new you will not have the key. That's why it has to be a code that any version of me could break, but only me. Min Jun turned to his friend and smiled. A true and unchanging nature. Then the bath did help. It made me susceptible to crazy ideas. How about that? They watched the control arm work in silence. It's funny, Josh said. I feel like I should say goodbye to you. As soon as we send this thing out, you and I will be replaced by another version of us. Morbid humor seemed like the only way to cope with the idea. Minjin nodded and then offered his hand to shake. Yes, farewell, Josh. It has been a privilege and a pleasure. Josh shook his hand. A Sickness in Time by M.F. Thomas and Nicholas Thurkettle Narrated by Roseanne Sinclair If you love listening to this podcast, please leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Learn more about the novel by visiting www.sicknessintime.com 